Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. evening and welcome to Fantasy Soccer Insider. I am your host, John Wallen, the Fantasy Gaffer. You can find me on Twitter at Fantasy Gaffer. You can find me at Playtaga.com running content. And you can find me right here live every Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, only on Rabble.tv. Joining me tonight is the managing editor of Roto World's Premier League coverage, Mr. Neil J. Thurman. Neil, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm not sure if I can match that level of enthusiasm for the entire 35, 40 minutes, but I'll do my best. <laughs> Speaking of the entire 35 or 40 minutes on tonight's show, we're going to talk about what to do with Wayne Rooney. We're going to talk about the hot start for Pedro at Chelsea. We're going to talk about some midweek heroics in the League Cup. And we're going to talk about what to do with your FPL squad during a two-week hiatus for the international break. We'll also be getting to your questions, so please join the conversation at a comment underneath the Fantasy Soccer Insider broadcast at Rabble.tv. Neil, what are we making of Pedro? Oh. I, I got to watch all of, uh, of, of Chelsea's match uh, over the weekend, and I have to say it was certainly impressive from a results standpoint. Uh, Chelsea still looked a bit off. Uh, I suspect Pedro, we've probably seen as good a statistical match as he's going to have. Uh, I'd say a goal and an assist is, uh, is probably his upside, and I don't say that because I don't think he's a talented player. I say that because... I generally have a problem with the notion of somebody who's probably going to be maybe the third or fourth option, even on a very, very good team. Um, you know, you look at teams like Watford in the championship last year, and they managed to have three guys with, you know, 15 plus goals each. Um, but that's pretty rare. I think Liverpool, when Suarez was in his last year, was probably the last example we really have of of a team going four deep in attacking fantasy players who were just, you know, top shelf guys. So if you, if you figure Costa is going to get, you know, be number one goal scorer, Hazard's going to be number two goal scorer, that maybe puts Pedro in as a potential number three. And on the assists front, you figure Fabregas, Hazard, and Pedro will be probably on the same, generally on the same par with, uh, with Hazard. Uh, so, that doesn't look like a bad 
player to have on your team, but certainly not a, uh, a top tier like the last uh, Barcelona spare part that came to the Premier League and Sanchez. <laughs> yeah, well, as an admitted Arsenal supporter yourself, I can certainly see why you would choose to rank Alexis Sanchez ahead of Pedro. Even as a neutral, I can say Alexis Sanchez, certainly a better fantasy Premier League prospect last season and this season. You mentioned that Pedro's a bit far down the pecking order at Chelsea. Obviously, we've already seen the departure of Juan Cuadrado. Willian, Oscar, which one of those two players do you think is going to be the odd man out? Or do you think it's going to be a rotation and there will be weeks where Pedro is the odd man out? Uh, I, I actually suspect that the that there will be more Willian and Oscar. And uh, I think Mourinho wants Willian to be successful. He seems to be trying his best because Willian checks back and does all of the, the dirty work that Mourinho seems to love from his midfield days or his attacking midfielders. Um, you know, Oscar, I, I think there are going to be games where that's what they need. And those two will probably bounce back and forth. Uh, I, I could see Pedro getting a lot of 70 minute stints. Um, and and playing there, and then William coming in kind of to, to shut the door on the defensive end a lot. No, fair enough. So let me ask you a ranking question. If you're sitting there and you have the number one waiver priority in a play Taga draft league, is Pedro the player that you're taking there, or are you looking at Newcastle's newest winger in from France? I'm going to butcher his name, but we're going to call him Thalvin for the remainder of this broadcast at least. Uh, I'm definitely going with Pedro in that respect, uh, and I know we're we're getting a little out of uh, our telegraphed order. Do you want to uh, to move into some of what we saw from Thalvin? Yeah, no, I think that's certainly fine. I, you know, I would like to just compare the two of them because I think yeah. that right now those are probably the two players that people are most looking to add to their squad. Um, both in salary cap, um, you know, obviously uh, this weekend in any kind of daily fantasy format, whether it's uh, Taga's Perfect 11 or, or a cash game on any of the sites. Um, so, yeah, if you do have a couple seconds or a yeah. couple thoughts. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, Pedro is a finished article. I mean, he's in his prime. He's played at the highest level internationally and for Barcelona, and he's a proven scorer. You know, Salvin is 22 and at least by some measures was one of the least satisfying players in Liga last year. So he's taking a step up and, you know, right now he's got it all in front of him. So I look at him more the way I look at, at somebody like Memphis, who I fully suspect will do very well eventually, but I am not ready to think he's my number one priority right now. No, that's fair enough. Are there any other players that are either rumored to be coming in, whether it's Kevin De Bruyne at Manchester City uh, or any of the other players that are, that are taking up the back pages right now that you think would be good enough that you'd be willing to hold that first white waiver priority or save that free transfer until after the conclusion of game week four to, to try and bring in a player that may have a better pedigree or more uh, opportunity than Pedro at Chelsea? Yeah, I, I think... It's really, in my mind, a little bit of a toss-up between Pedro and De Bruyne. It's, uh, you know, they're both going to suffer from a little bit of the same thing. Excellent players who are going to be third or fourth options in terms of how the points are distributed, most likely, uh, at great club. Uh, both at least have some potential of of being um, of being rotated from time to time, just because both teams have the luxury of depth. Um, so I, I think what you might be holding out for 
and you just have to decide what what your risk profile is is the surprise you know does manchester united do something crazy they have before and and certainly that seems to be the edward word thing is how can i just make a big splash um likewise you know wenger has been kind of hinting that something's going to happen and if that's a forward and he's going to start regularly over Giroud, then that could be a uh a more interesting play than than Pedro or De Bruyne. No, fair enough. And since we're getting into some of the rumors uh, around Arsenal and their attack, this is a good time to ask you if it's Olivier Giroud and and his poor start, if it's Wayne Rooney and his poor start, what are you doing with misfiring high-priced early round draft pick forwards after just three game weeks? I'm trying to find a way to get them from managers who are overreacting to a small sample size. So if you're in, uh, let's say, let's use salary cap as an example here. Would you still hold Rooney, even though he's losing some value as his ownership dips? We're looking at, and give me one second on that. But Wayne Rooney obviously started the season high expectations. Last season, we heard nothing but Louis Van Hall saying he needed a 20-goal score to lead the line. A lot was made this summer of the fact that Wayne Rooney was going to be returned to his out-and-out striker position after having played in the midfield last season. And this year, I do apologize, this year, His price, yeah, his price is down to 10.4 million now. He scored only nine points in the official league. Still in that format, not panicking? No, not panicking in any format. I, I, I think the, the only reason, and, and Rooney has been, been much discussed in the media, and I, my, my frustration with what I've heard is that the, the thing that is being criticized is probably the wrong thing. So... I don't think we have much of a sense of what Rooney's capable of if given service because he hasn't had it. I think the stats that I was looking at uh, on, on Taga have the entire Manchester United team having created 27 or 28 chances in total and Rooney created six of them. So presumably he wasn't available to, uh, to convert them. That means there's been 21 or 22 chances total across three games. One of them in theory, he scored, but it was a there was a bad call that brought that goal back. And if if he scores that, I don't think we're even worried about this. So the question for my mind, if you're thinking about buying him or selling him or trading him or, or making a move with Rooney, is do you think the rest of Manchester United's attack is gonna figure out how to create chances? Well, let's get so into somewhere that. Somewhere between Herrera, Mata, uh, Memphis, that's you know. Schweinsteiger, Herrick. So looking uh, at the stats that you were uh, referencing earlier, Juan Mata with eight, yep. uh, excuse me, nine chances created, eight key passes and an assist. And Rooney uh, with seven chances created, six key passes and an assist. No one else on that team has more than two. So if Rooney is in fact more useful to LVG as a chance creator rather than a finisher, what do you make of the recent conversation that he's been having in the press about Marilyn Fulani possibly being a nine or a 10? I don't know if I feel particularly good about that being the answer at, at forward for a team that has aspirations for a title, but I think it might at least change things up. I, I'm honestly more interested in 
in seeing what would happen with, with Herrera centrally, Mata to the right, and Memphis to the left, and see if that can add a little tempo where, uh, where Janazai just, you know, he scored a goal, but I don't think he's contributed a whole lot more than that. And I just don't understand why Herrera, who looked spectacular towards the end of last season, hasn't been even given a shot to, uh, to stimulate the action a little bit. No, fair enough. And we've mentioned Memphis now a couple of times. He's a prime example of somebody who's been showing a lot of midweek heroics in his Champions League qualifying. Obviously, we've seen some phenomenal performances in the League Cup over the last couple of days. You know, Are you buying into the potential Memphis has shown in the Champions League qualifying? And do you think that that can translate to him integrating himself better into a Premier League attack during Premier League matches? Uh, yes, eventually. Uh, I think, and I, I think I started alluding to this when we were talking about Thalvin, it's, you know, these are young guys and they're taking a step up. Uh, we knew from his time in Holland that, that, uh, that Memphis could just rip apart a mediocre team's defense and he just has the physical skill to dominate. And I think that's what we saw against Bruges for two straight matches. Um, we have seen so far in the Premier League that he's not ready to take that to a next level. And so I think we'll just have to be a little bit patient. Maybe it's the second half of the season. Maybe it's next year. Maybe it's next week. But, you know, I think we're all playing a little bit of a uh, of a waiting game till he, something clicks and, and he kind of harnesses all of his, his physical skills. No, it's fair enough. And this week, as particularly for Memphis, is, is going to be a judgment week. They are playing Swansea City, heading into the international break. I, you know, I think this is probably a match where, particularly in salary cap, if you're not seeing a goal, if you're not seeing an assist from him, you know, you're not getting any points. At least if you're playing in a daily format, if you're playing in a draft format, you're earning points from the other things that he does with the ball at his feet, uh, whether it's crosses, um, aerials one, you know, beating men off the dribble for take-ons, at least you're getting uh, some sort of a, a fantasy floor. You know, he's getting six, seven, eight points. But if you're playing in a traditional game, if you're playing in one of the newspaper games, if you're playing in the official game over at fantasy.premierleague.com, you're relying on those goals and those assists. Um, you know, I, and I think the same thing, I, I, I can't, I can't disagree with, you know, your earlier assessment, but I, I am concerned that if we're not seeing those quote unquote counting stats that you need to um, weigh carefully the performance of these players over the international break, how they do um, the kind of fitness that they return to the league in for game week five uh, or risk falling behind in the, uh, behind the pack. I mean, do you have any concern about the players that are not gelling right now uh, leaving their clubs, you know, for a, a six, seven, eight day hiatus to go represent their countries? Um, I guess it depends a little bit on on who the, the player is. So for somebody like Memphis, who I, I think his biggest task ahead of him is to integrate into the Premier League and an extra week of practicing against, you know, Premier League quality defenders probably would be a big help for him. For And I'd say the same thing of somebody like Firmino, uh, and i won't say anything bad about him because I know you uh, you have a man crush, but uh, <laughs> Bobby Firm. <laughs> but he, uh, but I, I think, and but I think some of the other guys, the Harry Canes, the 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 Roonies, um, some of the guys who aren't aren't firing but have a track record. I think some of that's just small sample size, and if this were December and they had gone two or three matches without a spectacular return, you'd say, okay, yeah, it happened. 
Fair enough. Uh, what about some of the other players that we saw register really big midweeks? Uh, is it Joe Dudu for Norwich City having uh, having a big game? Yeah, I think he is Leicester City, but yes. Oh, excuse me. Oh, <laughs> quite right. Leicester coming up with uh, that hat trick in there. Uh, in their win against Bury. Um, are we making anything of that? I mean, I know we've seen Ryan Mars have a hot start for the Foxes. You know, are we thinking this is just a case of uh, League Cup squad rotation and back to the bench, back to the, you know, through the reserves? Yeah, I, I believe so. I, he's, a, a, I believe, a debutante coming up from the youth squad, uh, you know, played against, I believe it was League Two opposition, and that should be right in his wheelhouse where a promising guy you know, maybe he earned himself some 10-minute substitute appearances later in the season. You know, you'd say the same thing about, uh, you know, Scott Sinclair, much bigger name, scored a hat trick uh, for Villa, but I, again, against lower-level competition that they should be beating up. Um, and and I think it's it's the same trap that, that people fall into with the World Cup. Um, you know, if you look back on Memphis's spectacular World Cup that kind of uh, gave, you know, kind of gave him uh, the reputation that he has. He scored two goals, and one of them was, I forget who it was against, but it was against, frankly, a second-rate nation in terms of qualifying for the World Cup finals. Can't argue with a goal against Chile, but, you know, you don't you don't want to say just because the tournament's a big tournament that scoring against a mediocre team is, is really should change your opinion of who some of these guys are. Um, you know, Jack Rodwell scored a brace, and I think we're all pretty much in agreement that he's a dubious uh, pick when it comes to Premier League fantasy. Yeah, you'll get no disagreement from me on Jack Rodwell. And, and with respect to the World Cup, I think um, Exhibit A is uh, one El Haji Diouf. I mean, <laughs> what happened with that transfer saga for Liverpool coming out of that World Cup is you know, one for the ages. Uh, you know, looking at the international break here, I know that there's obviously for you know for daily games for cash games there's just you know, there's nothing going on and and you take a break but in your salary cap leagues in your draft leagues in particular and and in your deeper leagues your 10 and your 12 team leagues is this a time that you're looking to do research make some trade offers really target uh those managers who seem to be you know, a little bit panicky about poor starts or are you sitting back and are you waiting, biding your time to see the early results, see if anybody comes back injured, see if anybody comes up, you know, a little bit gimpy or, or conversely, if somebody really fires in a, in a high profile match, you know, against top opposition, are you looking to maybe jump on them um, off the free agent wire or, or make an acquisition in your salary cap game, hoping that their price jumps up a little bit and you have some extra money to work with, you know, um, come your next wild card. Right. Yeah, I, I think at least, and I'll, I'll focus more on, on the kind of single ownership draft and auction leagues um, because they're, I think there's a little more, uh, we'll say, strategy or a little more thinking that you probably have to do, uh, especially since that format is relatively new to Premier League. Um, I, and I, I guess my I thought about this in, in the following order. So the first thing I'm, I'm doing after four matches is taking a look and figuring out if there are essentially free moves that I can make that solidify my bench. Um, you know, if there are guys that I have on the end of my bench that aren't doing what bench guys should do, which is being available and producing, you know, not nothing spectacular, but they should be there in a crunch. If you need, you know, one of your guys gets rotated and you need a defender, you better be darn sure that the guy that you have sitting on your bench is, is starting and producing something. 
So just looking at that, you know, I know looking around at uh, at some of the stats that are out there, you know, guys like Cathcart and Crodel and Capaway from uh, from Watford, Whitaker, Housen, Martin from Norwich, you know, are sitting out there available on the waiver wire. And, you know, none of those are guys that I think you're likely to want to start every week. But if you've got somebody who is coming up and is questionable, you're looking at a at a Gail Clichy or a, uh, a Pablo Zabaleta who, you know, maybe may have lost their job or certainly is up for rotation every week and you need backup for that. And you can't get Sanya and Kolarov at this point. Uh, you know, having somebody who you know is going to start as backup to that is kind of job one to make sure you have some solidity. And then, as you said, I think the other thing that I really focus on at this point is is buying low and selling high. You know, there are some guys who probably have unsustainable starts that they're off to, um, who you may be able to get somebody who gets gets a little too excited by that. And I'm looking at guys like John Joe Shelby, Kolarov, Piate, Robbie Brady, Ross Barkley. All of these guys are potentially good players on any given week, but they are unlikely to sustain, you know, top five, top 10 performances at their positions uh, throughout the season. So if you can get somebody to bite, and I know on the, the Taga forums, there was some discussion today of, of I believe it was um, Christian Eriksen for, was it Mark Albrighton and maybe Graziano Pella? Yeah, there was a, uh, it was a one for two. So it was, was, was asking for advice on. And so, you know, that would be the type of thing where you're saying, Hey, Erickson hasn't been fantastic. He's gotten a little nicked up, but you know, you have a guy out there in, in Albrighton who probably for the rest of the year will be startable, but just above average as opposed to spectacular. And, you know, how about get, you know, if you can convert that into somebody who has a proven track record of being a top 10 midfielder, by all means, go try and do that and, and sell high on the guy that, it would really take a massive leap for him to to continue his progress and and bet on, you know, kind of a blue chip stock like Erickson. No, I mean that's all really, really well said, Neil. I mean, I, I'm having a hard time disagreeing with anything that you've been saying for the last, you know, for the last minute. Those kind of moves, um, particularly uh, the one that you discussed, where you're looking at a two for one Erickson for you know Albright and Pele. That's that's a perfect example. I mean, I think kind of on both sides, right? Somebody's looking to uh, to buy low there, and somebody's looking to sell high there. And if that trade goes through, you know, it, it's almost a challenge trade in that way. Where certainly you and I look at that and we say we're both probably on. You know, I mean, I get, I might actually be on May on the Pella side on that one, but I mean, like I can see the the argument for for being on the Erickson side. Um, but there is there's so much value that can be had at this time of the, uh, the year that I, yeah, I do. I agree. I think you'd be silly not to, you know, at least float the offers and, and see what's coming back. You know, we have yep. a, uh, apologies. We have a, a, a question in from downtown money waster again. And as an Arsenal supporter yourself, Neil, real quick, is Walcott ever going to start? One of the great mysteries of our time, you give the guy 140,000 pounds a week and then tell him to enjoy his, counting his money on the bench. Um, you know, it's, I, I wrote a little bit in, uh, in a column this week uh, about just, I, I think the, the issues that, that Arsenal are having and they have a lot of talent and it doesn't 
exactly fit right. Um, and uh, you can you can try and figure out different combinations. And it seems to make sense that either Walcott or Oxlade-Chamberlain should take that spot up on the, the attacking right, uh, where Ramsey has been deployed for most of the year. And that makes sense. But it's clear that Wenger just wants to find a way to have Ramsey on the pitch right now, even if it's not at his optimal position. So, you know, I, I think the quick answer to the question is I wouldn't count on him starting any more than half of Arsenal's matches. And if, if it's even that much, that might be a, a stretch right now. And if they're going to bring somebody else in, God, this gets even harder for him. So there you have it, downtown money waster. If you are listening live on Rabble.tv, we hope that you're enjoying this episode of Fantasy Soccer Insider. If you are listening later on demand or elsewhere, it is time to give a shout out to the sponsor who made this entirely possible, Rabble.tv. If you're not familiar with Rabble, it is a completely new way of experiencing sports on television. And the concept is simple. The next time you want to watch your favorite soccer team on television, but you're tired of the announcers because they're biased against your team or, frankly, just aren't that good, press the mute button and then head on over to Rabble.tv to listen to a real fan's audio broadcast of the game. And if there isn't one available, you can create your own broadcast by switching on your mic and calling the match. It's easy. Neil and I are doing it. Sign up for free today and try it out. With Rabble, you can listen to broadcasts on your desktop, through your iOS app, and now through your mobile browser. Plus, you can join in the conversation by posting your questions or observations in the comment section. So take a moment to thank our sponsor for making this episode possible by heading on over to rabble.tv today, where it's your team and your call. Now, Neil, I extended the offer to Kev DeVries to call the Liverpool-Tottenham match with him. I did just miss the opportunity to call Liverpool-Arsenal with you. But what do you say? Second half of the season, you want to jump on the mics and call the match? I am absolutely thrilled to call the match. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it because inevitably Liverpool's going to have to win one. I mean, listen, we can only draw or lose so many times to one side before we need to get three points. <laughs> well, I'll hope uh, that if we're going to be doing this on the air and, and we're hoping it's a family show, that that's not the case this time around. <laughs> <laughs> I do believe there's an explicit tag. We don't use it on this one, but, you know, it is there for anybody that needs it. Fair enough. I'll, uh, I'll try my best to keep my uh, profane comments to myself if it isn't going well. <laughs> the I, I, would, I would like to, uh, to get one question. My, uh, my old blogging partner, Jeremy, has, uh, has written in a question about uh, the better prospects going forward between uh, Raheem Sterling or Sadio Mane. Oh. I'm turning the tables and asking you what you think about those two guys. Well, I... Uh... I was talking to Kev DeVries and Rom Langman, um, Smokey Lugie from Rasball yesterday, and I equated uh, Raheem Sterling to my favorite cookie, the oatmeal raisin cookie, in as much as uh, every cookie would like to be Raheem Sterling. Uh, lots of unfounded hate, in my opinion, and I think that he's both uh, skilled and going to be a, a massive presence in FPL, kind of losing the cookie analogy there at the end. Uh, <laughs> I do. I, I like Sadio Mane. I, I can't say a bad word about him. And, you know, particularly in the format that that, I, you know, that you and I work in with Taga, his underlying statistics are, are excellent. In particular, the underlying statistics portend that he's going to have very good success with his counting stats moving forward. So, you know, when you look at the 
the cost difference in acquiring sterling versus Mane. And, and you know, excuse me, but I think it's about a million and a half pounds, the difference in price between the two of them. Um, certainly, I, I don't have a problem with somebody taking the less expensive option. But if you're talking about being in draft or, or you know, if the price is pretty close um, because of opposition and you're playing in a money, you know, a daily money league, I, I'm taking Raheem Sterling there uh, 10 times out of 10. How about you, Neil? Um, so I guess on pure talent, I'm, I'm going to go back to our Pedro conversation of earlier and say on pure talent, I think that's absolutely the right answer. I guess my question, especially if De Bruyne comes to the city is just, are there enough points to go around? Cause Yaya is going to get his, Aguero is going to get his, Silva's going to get his, De Bruyne is going to get his, and how many hises are there left at the end for a fourth or fifth banana um, we, we don't just assume that David Silva sits in that scenario. I, I think David Silva's probably been the MVP of the week. So far, <laughs> so Silva does not sit. Uh, no, I mean, listen, Kevin De Bruyne coming in, I do think uh, is a bit of a worry. I, I'm more worried about, uh, you know, the points that Jesus Navas is going to score. I think that oh. De Bruyne coming in is pretty much a signal that Manchester city is ready to go five attackers. So, you know, I, is, at the, I think Navas is done. You know, yeah. He, goes goes to a reserve and becomes Samir Nazri. Yeah, no, I think that's entirely fair. And, you know, I look at this team and I see, and I said I said in the preseason when the rumors of De Bruyne were, were less founded, that I thought this was a team that was going to score between 85 and 100 goals. And, you know, I tipped both David Silva and Raheem Sterling to be 10-10 guys in that I felt they could both score 10 goals and contribute 10 assists, that I thought that Sergio Aguero was a no-doubt 20-goal player. Uh, you know, to my discredit, I wrote off uh, Yaya Torre a little bit, and so far at least, um, the Ivorian has proved me wrong. But I think that there's plenty of room in this squad to bring in Kevin, to bring it and not cost any of the marquee names their points. I do think that this signals, you know, if, if he signs and is unveiled, I think that signals the end of some of their squad players. I mean, ultimately, this destroys Fabian Delph having any value, even as a bench player in a 12-team Taga League. Um, you know, it really relegates Samir Nazri. It's, it, it destroys Hayes' novice's value, as you already mentioned. So am I concerned about Sterling losing some playing time? You know, only in as much as he's a young player. They're, you know, competing on four fronts. And I think that the smart money is on him being rotated a bit, rested a bit, used in, in three of those four competitions. But in terms of him getting his, I'm not worried about it. Okay. Yeah, and, and I guess, I, and that that's an interesting perspective. I may be overreacting to the first two matches where City was City were awesome, but he was just on the outside looking in, and he got a little bit. But how many times is, uh, is a Premier League goalkeeper going to get beaten by uh, a short side shot like that? that uh, Kolarov scored on. And, you know, without that, we're looking at, at a Rooney-like drought for uh, for Sterling in his first three matches with no no goals, no assists. So, you know, it's, it, it is on fine margins that that uh, that some of these impressions that we get of, of people flailing or starting to kind of, quote, get it or come into the fold uh, are, are made. So it's, I, I, I'm just curious. And I, like I said, you can certainly... You can certainly go either direction, and some people are going to be upset if they trade him and I'm wrong. And uh, and likewise, if they keep him and you're wrong or whatever, then uh, it's you know I think it gets uh, to be a judgment call. And really, do you want to take the risk on it or not? 
No, I, I completely agree. And listen, judging from my most recent track record, I think we can all agree that you're probably more likely right than I am in this situation. Moving from one of your colleagues to another, Mr. Steve Rothgeb at Fuzzy Warbles has been tweeting at, at you, me, and, and Mr. Ben Jada. And he's been asking, which forward should I cut in this league? And the man has an embarrassment of riches if you count Jermaine Defoe as riches. He has Christian Benteke, Jermaine Defoe, and one Mr. Roberto Fermino Barbosa de Oliveira. <laughs> now, listen, just the name itself means you can't cut the last man. I can't, I can't in good conscience tell you to cut the big Belgian Christian Benteke. Neil, are you cutting Roberto Fermino to keep Jermaine Defoe in your starting 11? I am not. I actually... As much as I would love to do it just to antagonize you, <laughs> I, I I think Firmino actually showed very well uh, in the, the Arsenal match. Uh, I think the fact that Luana and Henderson are both injured means that he probably gets uh, a couple more starts without there being too much chance of a, of a rotation. Um, I think on talent, he should be playing anyway, but I think there's probably some politics going on in the Liverpool squad around who starts, who doesn't start um that may be keeping him on the bench early in the season um but you know he, he really liked what you saw i think he created five or six chances certainly more than anybody else on the field um in the arsenal match and check made some amazing saves that prevented those from being turned into counting stats but uh it was it was a pretty impressive performance for somebody who hadn't started a premier league game before i, I was distressed because i was looking forward to an entire season of of taunting you about him. Yeah, you and pretty much everybody else that I work with. You know, moving from Liverpool uh, over to another club that has a few uh, a few new players in and some confusion about what to do at the top is the Albion. We have Solomon Rondon. We have Saito Berahino being told today he's not leaving. Uh, Ricky Lambert came over from Liverpool a couple weeks ago. We thought the big man was going to, you know, a decent shot. It looks like he's back to the bench again. Rondon, Excellent match this past weekend uh, as West Brom came up just a little bit short. You know, Neil, for you, which of those three forwards is the player that you want to have, assuming they all stay with West Brom after the close of the transfer window? Yeah, I think the first comment there is just that the sound that you hear is uh, is every fantasy manager on earth rushing off of the Ricky Lambert bandwagon. Um, that didn't last very long. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I thought Rondon was very impressive. Uh, I think I, I'd say Berahino probably has more upside, but I worry about the quote small player in any Tony Pulis side. You know, Rondon is is big, he's physical, he he's fast as well, uh, and just has the sort of physical presence that you know kind of reminds you of a a bigger, badder Peter Crouch, um, which is exactly what what Pulis would would want. In, leading the line for him. You know, Berahino, I could see there being some some moodiness. You know, he gets run over. He doesn't play defense for a little while. And Pulis, you know, pulls him for a week or two just to, to make a point. So I, I'd say of those two guys, I'd want, want Rondon first, Berahino second. I, I think in preseason, you probably wanted Berahino uh, first because there was a chance he was going to move to Spurs or somewhere else where he could legitimately have moved up and maybe maybe been a 20 goal scorer. No, fair enough. 
um, you know, Mr. Uh, Warbles there points out that he has Jermaine Lenz on his side as well. And that gets us into a, an interesting discussion about the difference between salary cap uh, at the official game and Taga's draft format, because, of course, Jermaine Lenz is a forward in Taga. He is a midfielder in the official salary cap game. Where are you valuing Lenz more moving forward, Neil, as a midfielder um, in the in the salary cap game or are you? looking more as a forward where in a, in a format where you can also count his underlying stats. So I have to say that I have not subjected myself to watching a whole lot of, of Sunderland yet this year. So I don't have too much of an educated opinion on him. I know he's, I think he's put up a couple of assists so far. One in every game. What's that? He has one in every game this one season, three game. for three. Okay. So, you know, I, that certainly screams midfielder to me. Um, but if he's if he's scoring points, he's scoring points, and with a number of uh, of big forwards struggling, you know, I, I think you could find a place for him in a draft league where he's listed as a forward, maybe at least as a stopgap until some of these other guys get uh, get their acts together. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, I guess with Lens, I'm looking at him as a midfielder. Obviously, I feel, and it, it bears out when you look at the players, midfield is such a deep position that I almost prefer to have him as a forward, even if the contributions are going to largely come from, you know, what we consider to be the middle of the pitch. Um, you know, if he's going to be a 12 or 13 assist player, you know, he's certainly going to have his opportunities to take a goal. And I like having that flexibility well I mean it's not flexibility in that he's locked into playing forward but I like having the flexibility of using him as my second or third forward knowing that there are going to be underlying contributions uh, and, and frankly I mean obviously no one's keeping up an assist every game but there are a number of players that have come into the Premier League recently that look to be good bets to break that 10 assist plateau among them uh, Dimitri Payet um yeah, excuse me, at Jorginho Winjaldum at Newcastle, I'm obviously a big supporter of. Uh, Nathan Redmond getting it done more on the goals end than the assist end. But I mean, there's a there's a plethora Shakiri. of, pardon me? Shakiri. Yes, thank you. That, and that was going to be the last player I brought up because obviously he came into the league just ahead of the game week three deadline. A lot of managers were using him uh, already. Are you looking to, if he, if he's available uh, in a in a draft league, are you using a waiver claim on Shakiri over Pedro this week uh, on the off chance that they're both still sitting there on the waiver wire? If they were both still sitting there, I think I would go Pedro over Shakiri, but I would, but if Pedro was gone and I had the second one or maybe the third one, if you're going to assume De Bruyne, De Bruyne comes in. So I, I guess I would, I would rank him third. So if, if all three were available in the same claim and assuming your claims work out over multiple weeks you're essentially they are all all working out that way if i were first this week i'd go pedro if i were second i'd go de Bruyne. and if i were if i had the third one i'd wait and and, and take shakiri and i recognize that they're not available in that order but uh you know the, the tough question would be do you uh do you do you take the jump and take the sure thing in Shakiri or hope for De Bruyne, assuming Pedro's already gone. Okay, well, I, I like to do this with the people that are playing in our 12-team USA-based expert draft at Play Taga. Your current midfield, as I'm looking at it today, is Gilfie Sigurdsson, Ryad Mahrez, Morgan Schneiderlin, Jardin Shakiri. Would you 
would you consider adding uh, Florent Thalvin over Morgan Schneiderlin if that were an option right now? I wouldn't. I I got to say, I just, I, I know there's been a lot of hype around him. He's awesome. And uh, he was one of my, the first guys I picked up in FIFA 13 or in FIFA 15. And I rode, rode him to death in that game. But, uh, but I just, he's too young and he's making a jump up. And I just don't believe that it's going to come. And I don't think Newcastle's squad's going to do that much to help him out. So and I, I think uh, Cabela coming in last year was a more accomplished player. And that didn't work out so good. So I'm maybe overreacting a little bit to Newcastle. But um, I, I think there's, there's more hype around this guy than there is proof in the pudding quite yet. Two more questions with you, Neil Thurman, the managing editor at Roto World Premier League coverage. You can find him on Twitter at Neil J. Thurman. Neil, let me ask you quickly here. I was a big supporter of Johan Kabai returning to the Premier League. You have a couple of players that I, I also liked as value plays in the middle of the draft. Scott Sinclair being one. Um, obviously, at this point in the game, we, we mentioned Scott Sinclair a little bit earlier, but if you have the opportunity to acquire Johan Kabai, I think obviously we're both taking him over Scott Sinclair. Are you valuing Johan Kabai as a top 20 midfielder for the rest of the season? I think I would be. I have him in another Otago league, and you know, it's, I, I think of him the same way that I think of Sigurdsson. I, I think it, it will come. We know the talent's there. Um, he's doing the secondary things. You know, he's, he's creating a couple chances. He's getting some tackles in. He's intercepting some passes. And I think the, the goals and the assists will come, especially with the, uh, the attacking talent around him. And, and if Crystal Palace actually manages to pick up Charlie Austin or an actual uh, number nine to kind of round out what should be a pretty impressive attack, I think he will find his way to, uh, to somewhere between eight and 12 assists, probably six or seven goals, and some pretty good secondary stats. Completely agree. As we always do at the end of the show, seems like they always get left to the end. Another question in this week, they're going to face off on opposite ends of the same pitch. Neil, pick a goalie for this week only. Are you taking Manchester United's current number one, Sergio Romero, or are you taking Swansea City's Lucas Fabianski game week four? So I think I answered this uh, in the, uh, in the Taga uh, forums earlier and and I think it's a great question because it there's some contrasts involved I think Fabianski is a better goalkeeper and I think Swansea City is probably in better attacking form right now but that actually works against Fabianski because he is at risk of one Manchester United shot one goal a loss and no saves to help pick him up whereas I think Swansea City are more likely to pepper Romero with, you know, three or four mediocre shots from distance and, you know, some dribblers. And even if one goes in and even if United lose, I think there's more chances that, that Romero will make up the points on saves and secondary stuff. And so I, I see him as, as a smaller risk. Um, and, you know, Fabianski, you know, there's just, there's no evidence unless... Swansea turned into Club Bruges that Manchester United are going to put a lot of attack on their net. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much, Neil, for joining us today. If you would, please let people know where they can find you. 
Sure, you can find me at www.rotoworld.com and click on the the BPL section, and me and my team are covering the Premier League every day. You can also find me at uh, Play Taga, and I cover Arsenal as well as write a column there every once in a while. And then, of course, on Twitter at Neil, N-E-A-L-J, Thurman, T-H-U-R-M-A-N. And uh, thank you very much for uh, for having me on. It has been our pleasure, Neil. That's going to do it for another episode of Fantasy Soccer Insider. My name is John Wall, and you can find me, as always, at Fantasy Gaffer on Twitter. Our thanks to Rabble.tv. Our thanks to all of you for joining us, all of your questions. You can find us here, Fantasy Soccer Insider, live every Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We go again. 